yourself. Oh, whoa. Wow. Wow. Okay. This is amazing. Welcome to the Guides Gone Wild podcast. What is Guides Gone Wild, you ask? This is where you'll fill your ears and minds with the stories of everyday, extraordinary women who will inspire you to take your outdoor adventure game to the next level. Whether you're starting your journey from the couch or the trailhead, this is the place for you, so let's get a little wild. Welcome to Guides Gone Wild. This is your squealing pig mimicking host, Jen, dialing up the fun and inspiration today. As we bear down on the end of 2021 and get close to the two-year anniversary of the pandemic body slamming us all into a lonely, dark, and scary existence, we are going to revisit the story of someone who has spent most of that time literally changing her life and those of everyone she meets. Almost a year ago to this day, Jackie Stratton of Waterways Guiding decided to start renting out time in a sauna that was on her property. She'd already become an Airbnb host, renting out an apartment that had been created in one part of a chicken barn on the property she shares with her partner. She was loving the sauna so much that she'd started learning how she could build a mobile sauna unit. But in the meantime, she figured people who live nearby might be interested in a little sauna experience once in a while for themselves. Well, it turned out the sauna was a whole lot more popular than she'd bargained for, and a lovely little side business started growing that supplemented her new guiding business and the Airbnb stuff. This is where the story gets even more interesting. The owners of the on-site sauna decided they wanted to bring it back to their own property midway through last year. And Jackie had pushed pause on her mobile sauna build because she was so busy with the other sauna. Wah, wah. But being the badass, infinitely curious and capable library card holder she is, Jackie got some books, watched some YouTube, and started building a brand new permanent sauna building for herself in the exact spot with the exact same kind of super cool curved door and gorgeous details and one-upped it with an awesome outdoor bench and screened plunge area for her tub and finished her mobile sauna to boot. So what's with the shrieking intro, you ask? Well, my friend Paula and I share a birthday that's coming up, and Paula is the cousin of my trusty adventure sidekick, Trish, who you might remember from a few of her previous guest appearances, and whose birthday is next week. It was just the excuse I needed to book Jackie's Chicken Barn Airbnb for a weekend and reserve a 90-minute new moon sauna for the three of us. All of us were basically sauna noobs, but as you'll hear, our virgin experience was... Let's just leave it there. Come along as Trish, Paula, and I ease on into the sauna, head out into the plunge tub, and then get inspired hearing where Jackie was back in January of 2021 before she even knew she'd be recreating such a magical experience from the ground up for a bunch of massholes. And P.S., this is just one example of the absolute magic that the women I talk to on this podcast bring into my life and the inspiration their stories fill me up with. I hope you get value from these two when life kneecaps you in 2022 because it's bound to happen. And then you'll face a choice kind of like Jackie's. You can get pissed off and retreat to your dark corner, or you can go to the library and start learning and doing tiny little things that might eventually bring the light back in and make you whole again. Who is with me? Anyway, enjoy a little taste of sauna with Trish and Paula and a trip in the Wayback Machine with me and Jackie Stratton of Cedar Grove Sauna and Waterways Guiding. Going in totally 
really dressed like to go skiing. I'm gonna leave my, I, I guess I'll leave my towel out here. Yeah. Or do I want to sit on it? Dude, you can, be, you can be, you can be clothed, you can be not clothed. Mm -hmm. it, it's all... I'm not going to scare you people. I can't going figure naked. out what my personal comfort is. That's what it is. It's not like about, like I can't figure out. All right, so where are we, Paula, right now? We are in the waiting room. The foyer. Of the foyer <laughs> of the sauna with the Christmas lights. And <laughs> I'm already candles. warm and like <laughs> love and life, I got to tell you. <laughs> the sauna has a foyer. With little lights, it does. I love it. Adorable, and it's getting a little warm. These are the little towels that she like hand dyes. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, so look at that. Local person gives her indigo. Excellent. Like goddamn crafty people. All right, here. Let me. Okay. All right. I should bring this in with me. Still a bit chill. Might might melt. Give it chill. Like getting ready. Are there lights in there, or can you not see? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Let's okay. do it, Trish. I'm going in. Oh. Let's oh go my in. God. Oh my God. Yeah, I can see why. Wow, it feels super hot over here. Holy, Holy cow! Holy. Is that you? Oh my God. Whoa. Okay, yeah, I need to dress okay. appropriately. I guess I don't need my hat. Um, yeah. Spraying my coconut oil. And I've got to for sure leave these out here. <laughs> Do you have, did you bring your water in? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Damn. I'm not sure how long this will last in here. Whoa. Sure. Oh my God. Trish, what yeah. are you feeling right now? Oh my God, I'm so hot. Oh. It's been like two minutes. It's amazing. <laughs> oh my God, it's so hot. It's been like two minutes and I'm already thinking. Can we pour water on that thing to make it steam in You here? can pour water on yourself. It's on your water on oh. yourself. Oh. Whoa. Wow. Okay. This is amazing. I might have this, to get naked. Oh my this god. This is amazing. Wow. What temperature do you think it is? What is your, does anyone have their phone or anything? Mm. The sauna needs a skylight so you can check out oh, the stars. It does. While you're like oh, no, sauna the Now I can, I'm starting to think that I might do a cold plunge. I'm, really? I'm feeling like this is going to get hot. Yeah. It's yeah. freaking hot in here. Yeah. This is going to get hot. But you can pour water on yourself. I want to know who's the first one that's going to do that. That's not going to be me. Maybe Trish. Oh, yeah. Oh, ooh, the walls. The walls, yeah, the walls are, are like smoking. Burning. Okay, there's like a little back yeah, What is here. I'm going to try and lean on it and see. You what is this like, situation? This is Woo. What is that, Jen? That's the bucket that she said you could dump over yourself. If anyone, oh. if anyone wants the water, <laughs> I kind of want there to be like steam. Look at this. Wow. And they have little wooden bowls so you can like... I really want to know what the temperature is. Hot. It's hot. Okay, I just have to like... And there's candles Ooh. down there. Are my feet in your way? No. Under the bench? Under there. Yeah. I'm actually thinking I want to maybe put a little water on my seat. I'm not sure sitting right in front of the fire is the best place. I don't want to put the... Oh my God. Yeah, it's Whoa. like... Anybody want some coconut oil? Yeah. Actually, it's going to melt up a little bit of it. I'm gonna be like in the tub in a minute, I think. I know. We had a sauna in our condo in Breckenridge and it was it was so funny. Did you use it? It was so random. But we I, like in the beginning we used to use it. Yeah. But then after a while you're like, I mean, what are we gonna yeah. do with the sauna? You know? Just just hang it's out really there. good for you. Just to hang out. Is with it? Like, yeah. This is good. Apparently, yeah. 
Probably the hot cold thing is. Well, I thought the hot cold, but like to just do the hot, like do you have to do the cold part to make it good for you? I don't think so. So just the hot is okay? Yeah, I think the hot's okay. I think actually like, I like the, like the steam rooms. Yeah, steam is nice too. Like can you throw some water on something? What are those <laughs> yeah. bowls? The bowls are for dumping water on you? Like on yourself. Okay. But okay. It is kind of a fun ladle. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. All right, Trish. Dumping you start on. us off here. <laughs> I'm dumping it on my leg. I want to see how is cold it is. I want to see how cold hut? it is. It's probably not that. Ah, nope, it's cold. Is it? Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Yep, it's a little chilly. Oh, yeah, it's cold. <laughs> I mean, it's not freezing, but it's right. not warm. It's yeah. not. It's not 150 degrees no, like the air warm. in here. No. Holy cow. Yeah. Ooh, so we're in the sauna. We're in the sauna. In a random... In, in the middle the of nowhere, sleeping in a chicken at the barn. Chicken barn. <laughs> and wow, the outside of my water bottle is on fire. Is Feel this? Well, because it's metal. Because right? there's metal. Feel oh, that? No, mine's not. Like, yeah. Oh my god, is this hot or is this cold? Wow. I can't tell. God, no, mine's my water so bottle cold. is burning. That's mine. Hmm. Is the water inside? The water's cold, but. Hmm. Mm. Actually, yeah, we should probably put the water bottles outside. Yeah, that's gonna get wow hot really quickly this is toasty i wonder what the max number of people she's ever had in here like can you imagine being in here with like 10 people no yeah that's probably too many but no. i think she's had like six maybe like you know ladies that all come together or whatever not right randos but the place actually in denmark maine has a this thing is getting smoking hot has a community sauna, like a big yeah. round, roundish one that yeah. she can fit a ton of people in. Oh, wow. Okay, so you don't need to listen to us heavy breathing for another 10 minutes, like some kind of 90s party line. Let's flash forward now to one of our trips outside to cool off. To set the stage, my friend Trish is now actually sitting in a tub of cold water at about 8 p.m. on an 18 degree night. Yes, 18 degrees. Trish, go. Oh it's like, how's it feel? It's so cold, <laughs> but it's like, oh, it's kind of like refreshing, but yet painful at the same time. Oh my God. You're staying in for a oh, while though. Look okay. at you. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's good. <laughs> oh my God. You are a riot. Oh, I wonder if I was, was I recording that? It's hard it then was. when you get out though because these rocks are like iced over. I know. So be careful. Feet are like. Whew. All right. This might be my. I don't know if I'm going to be able to plunge again after You're this. Going so I'm going to do one more. Again? I'm going to go all in. I got to see this. Oh my God. Now it's getting like wicked icy. See? Oh my God, Jen. You are crazy. Oh. oh. Whoa. Oh my God. Jesus. Oh. Oh my god. Okay. Oh. Okay. You're crazy. You dumped again. Oh my gosh. She's crazy. I think it might be my last time. You think? <laughs> it's getting icy. I did oh. the sit and that was enough. She sat, but you sat in there for like. Uh. 
Uh, two minutes. No, oh, that wasn't two. Whatever. Minutes. It seemed like two oh. minutes probably if you were in there. <sighs> it's like so refreshing, but yet it hurts, you know. Right. It feels really good. Oh my god. I definitely think I've been in the orange zone a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you, come to the get out, and I'm like, holy crap! Did you do the backwards thing again? I did like, the, the backwards thing backwards. again. I don't think I could ease myself in the way you guys like sit in there like that. I don't know. Like that way, it's just like I'm there, and I can pull myself right back out again. Yeah. Ugh. But it's it's getting icy around the edge. Is it? I know. Yeah. That's the thing. It's slippery. Down. Buttons, I see. <sighs> okay. I don't know how those time. cold plunge swimmers do it another group that I want to talk to called um, like cold tits warm hearts or something <laughs> it's like oh. a Facebook and uh, group and Instagram page it's all you know like women in Maine that do that and oh my apart. god that's so funny I know. and now let's hear what Jackie was thinking back in January of this year and make sure to check out the show notes for all the links you need to recreate an epic Cedar Grove sauna chicken barn weekend with your own besties. Okay, here we are. I am joined today by Jackie Stratton from Waterways Guiding in, you're in Montville, Maine, right near Belfast, right? Somewhere near Belfast. Jackie, welcome to Guides Gone Wild. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. I am like super stoked. Um, as I mentioned right before we got on the call, Jackie has like nine bajillion things we could talk about today. I'm, I'm going to be curious to see which we cover because we'll probably have to do like seven episodes to get, get uh, through all the cool things that she does. But obviously the most recent thing that kind of initially piqued my interest is that she just started a guiding company in, in Maine, um, women-owned. Right, basically at the beginning of the pandemic. So I want to kind of dig into that a little bit. But first, um, I know you have a a super interesting kind of evolution in the outdoors, and kind of talk to us a little bit about how you got into doing what you're doing now, and maybe what some of the motivating factors have been for you. Just things that you have noticed, and things that you are trying to maybe work on or improve with your own guide service. Yeah. Um, wow, that's a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah I like to ask like 7,000 questions in one question and just right. then, then leave you out there like, hanging for like an hour and a half <laughs> to yeah. talk. Sorry well, about that. Like pretty much everybody on your podcast, I definitely was drawn to the outdoors and was so fortunate to go to a high school that had a, a tech program that included forestry and environmental science. And so while my uh, peers were in like calculus two or calculus three, I was tapping maple trees and making maple syrup and learning to use a chainsaw and IDing trees and learning about ecology. And it was a class that was taught by a man and I was the only woman in the class, of course. And that kind of set me on a direction of uh, studying math resource management and watershed science in college out in at Colorado State University. And so I've always had this um nature environmental science focus and Jackie um, you weren't you were not from Maine originally right you were but you're from New England I'm from New Hampshire New Hampshire yeah. right okay yeah. that's what I, I thought I moved to Maine um soon after college about a year or so after college my family's from Maine all my dad's family lives in Cumberland so I moved here to be close 
to them. And I didn't know that I was going to want to stay the rest of my life. So here I am. So you went to Colorado for college. Yeah. And you were, um, was it water, watershed ecology or watershed science? Yeah. And what kind of, I mean, obviously you went to the tech program, you were doing lots of cool stuff like tapping maple trees, which I'm kind of thinking to myself, oh, I wish, I wish I had a school like that near me. <laughs> Send my kids there in a heartbeat because they really don't like the, the academic stuff. Um, but what, what kind of segued you into, obviously you've developed uh, quite an affinity for um, battling in the water. So where did that come from? I think that that definitely came from my father. Uh, we were really into kayaking. We did some canoeing growing up, but he and I would have a, I think we had like quiet water of New Hampshire book and then a couple others. And we just opened the book and go. And my dad's super adventurous and my, my mom's a planner and my dad's kind of, I won't say reckless adventurer, but he'll just go. <laughs> and, and so we would end up in these crazy places and uh, have no specific plan for like a shuttle afterwards or end up having to crawl over 20, 15 foot high beaver dams and that sort of thing. And like, if it got, if we got a lot of rain, we'd go find the strangest place we could go kayaking, like the golf course, because most golf courses are built on wetlands. And, and so my father definitely instilled this adventure spirit. Um, and I've just always been really drawn to water, love swimming. Um, and after college, I moved to Wyoming and worked for the game and fish doing fisheries work um, and was just had the opportunity to be on rivers and on lakes up in the Wind River Range and just love that ecosystem. It's so diverse and wanted to figure out how to spend more and more time there. And so when I moved to Maine, um, I came from the West with this like backpacking background as well. Cause that's what people do out there. And then I moved to Maine and people are like, Nope, we actually have canoes to be able to go wherever we want. And we can bring all of our cast iron and our coolers and we can cook amazing food. And so I quickly pivoted and, um, actually my current partner who was not my partner then Nate, uh, was a canoeing enthusiast. He'd been doing it for about 20 years. And he invited me on a trip. Actually, he first invited my partner on my on the trip. And I was like, nah, he doesn't even want to go. I want to go. Um, so eventually, Nate and I just were organizing trips together. And then eventually, we were a couple. And um, I learned a lot from Nate. He's done some guiding and he started the canoe club at Unity College some 20 years ago. And so he was, he's really been my canoe mentor and set me on that path. So that's interesting. I love the fact that you're, I, I love that you got to Maine and it was like, oh no, we don't carry all of our stuff on our back. We put it all in a boat and bring it with us and then we live the high life. So yeah. that, that's, uh, that's pretty sweet. And that, that does bring up your, your outdoor cooking, which I want to talk about, but so, but I, we'll get to that later on when it like fun talk at the end. Um, cause I want, you know, recipe, uh, recipe recommendations and stuff. So you are here, you and Nate are planning trips and presumably for, uh, just like friends and stuff, or were you, is, is he also kind of a, a guide trip leader type person? Right. He 
he should be a guide. He's way more qualified than I am, but he, he never got his license when he was 18. He tested, I think twice and didn't pass. Um, and he did a guided apprentice. And so we've mostly organized trips for friends and I had been doing organizing trips for friends on mostly the Allagash and the St. John river. And every time I was out there, I kept thinking, how do I do more of this? because I love it so much. And each time I think, oh, I could become a guide. And then about a year and a half ago, I took some friends from Colorado on a trip in um, down East Maine. And I just decided then that I was going to make it happen. And so I did. And it was honestly my kind of exit strategy. I've been working for Maine Land Trusts for the last nine years. And today would have been, I should have I should be at work this morning, but I actually quit my job and uh, put that into play before the pandemic. So that um, was kind of a shocker when the pandemic hit. Um, but last week was my last week. And so I'm, I'm guiding in the summer now and figuring out what to do rest of the year. Yeah. So that's, yeah, let's talk about that then. So you kind of came back here. Well, I, I do want to, I do, I don't want to pass over the fact that you lived in New Zealand. When did that happen? because <laughs> I love New Zealand. I've only been there this one time, but it was amazing. And I'm like, wait a minute, you lived in New Zealand? Yeah, I I did a study abroad in New Zealand and I didn't, I went there a month beforehand, stayed a month after the college. And the second day I was there, I bought this Mazda 323, I think from like 1976 that had a, yeah, it was, it was an old car and I lived out of it and traveled and Nice. bought one of their hut passes and you can just go from hut to hut and you don't have to bring a tent or a sleeping pad or a cook or stove to cook on because all their huts have that and yeah it was an amazing it was an amazing coming of age opportunity and I just I moved back to Colorado where I was going to school and I was just like footloose and fancy free <laughs> because I think the Kiwis have figured some things out about how to live life and I was soaking all that up yeah, for sure. That's amazing. So we, were you based on the North or South Island or did you just literally, it was just like a nomadic thing? <laughs> I was on the South Island for five months and the North Island for one month. Nice. And that my family actually came and visited me for two weeks and I just laughed at them. Like, you can't come here for just two weeks. <laughs> you gotta spend a while here. Oh, for, sh for sure. Yeah, no, and we were only there for a week and it was like so frustrating because it, you know, and then we tried to do too much because we knew we were only going to be there for a week and it was like, oh, we should have just, we need to just go and embed there at some point because you're right. They have totally figured out. I mean, it's just a totally different mindset. Like, the whole country is just much more oriented toward being outdoors and doing stuff like that all the time. It's just like, yeah, I mean, uh. yeah. And the way that the geography of the Island means that there are such diverse ecosystems, like pretty close to each other. And so you could be up in the mountains and, you know, they actually Kiwis have this funny thing where I forget they have some slang phrase for it because they have slang for everything just like Australians but they watch the sunrise on the east coast and then they drive up and over the mountains and then watch it set on the west coast and um yeah there's just so much packed on those little islands yeah yeah okay now that we've all uh, had a little sigh of New Zealand. oh that was so lovely <laughs> so so let's get back to becoming a main guide so tell me about your process so you had decided like okay I really love doing this this is a way that I could make this more of the focus of my professional life 
Um, how did you find the whole process? I mean, you also are, I mean, master naturalist, I, I know, and that I assume came before becoming a guide. So it sounds like you probably had a pretty strong base of both, you know, experience in the backcountry outdoors and then also a lot of the stuff that maybe hangs some people up, like knowing all about all of the ecology and biology and all that stuff. So tell me about what that process was like for you, what you found hard about it or what, I don't know, if you're talking to somebody who's thinking about becoming a guide, like give us some tips on how to prepare yourself or what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started the process and I think, um, I had been kind of oogling over, uh, one of your previous guests, Polly Mahoney and Kevin Slater's guiding business for years, seeing them at the common ground fair. And I remember I went to like a becoming a guide workshop with Kevin maybe four or five years ago. And one thing that he was saying is that he, he said something like there are so many canned courses where you can go and learn about becoming a guide and then ace the test, but people don't know anything and I wouldn't trust them in the wilderness. And so I heard that and I was like, yeah, like that kind of resonates with me. And I, I had, you know, spent the last 20 years surrounding myself with people who were outside and learning those skills. And so I, I decided early on that I was not going to take a course. And so what I did is I, I created the super extensive study guide, which I'd be happy to share with anybody. And yeah, studied up the things that I needed the most studying um, for were like, I'm not that great with knots and I should be. And the, the guide exam, they can ask you so many different questions. And so I spent a couple of months studying up and yeah, the written part felt easy and super archaic. And I really, hope that that can be improved in the future. And yeah, it was, it was pretty nerve wracking doing the oral exam, but um, it went well. And um, I'm not going to recommend that people don't take the main guide courses because that's how some people learn, but I'm really self-driven with my learning. And so just made flashcards and did that sort of thing. And I would recommend that people plan way ahead because you have to get fingerprinted. And I think there's a long list of people to take the exam. And so I think the whole process for me took about a year. And I started like way before I thought I was going to become a guide. Um, so I was right on time with it. But nice. Uh, and you managed, you know, and you did manage to get to pass the first time because I know a lot of people are kind of like, well, there was this one part that just right. Yeah. I actually I passed the oral and the written, but I failed the compass and I failed for reasons that were a little bit silly. And when I went back the second time, I had to wait four months because of the pandemic to take my map and compass <laughs> exam again, which is only 15 minutes. But I got in there and the, the folks looked, the guys, I should say, because they're all men who are testing you. They looked at my previous exam. They're like, why are you here? You got everything right. And it's like, yeah, I know. But the last <sighs> time wouldn't, wouldn't admit it. So that was frustrating. But um, yeah, the map and compass, it's not tricky at all, but you can, you can kind of get backwards on it. Huh. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Um, yeah, there you go. There's your next side gig. I bet if you have a comprehensive study guide, that's, uh, that there, that's something you can spin out into something I would imagine. Yeah. Um, I do it out for free. Yeah, there you go. I have, (laughs) but I do love that perspective from Kevin because, you know, first of all, they're 
completely awesome, Polly and Kevin. I mean, oh my gosh, if the world was filled with those people as guides, we would be just in good shape. But I do appreciate that whole perspective of, yes, you can do the book learning, but it's like anything else. If you, there's so much, uh, so many other skills that come into it. And, you know, especially from a crisis management perspective, like there's no way to, uh, you know, there's no way to test for that really, I would say. Um, yeah. You can, you can say all the right things, but that doesn't necessarily mean, like I kind of experienced that a little bit when I took wilderness first aid, I did this like weekend thing. And, you know, I kept thinking to myself like, well, okay, I'm, I know what to tell the guy right now, but what would I actually do if somebody right. was laying in front of me and I'm trying to assess their, their spinal cord injury? And um, yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. So, but obviously you were bringing a lot of real, real world experience and having been out there with, with groups and soft skills for sure, I think are probably another thing like understanding group dynamics and how to make yeah. people comfortable and stuff. And, and that's something I actually want you to talk a little bit about now. Like one of the things I loved, um, when I was looking at your waterways guiding site was this one line that said, my goal is to be the role map, the role model I sought for myself 20 years ago. And there's a lot of other stuff on there around creating experiences that are safe for people. So tell me a little bit about that. What, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about the fact that most guides are, you know, middle-aged men. Um, so there's, there's already that, but, but tell yeah. me a little bit more about some of these other motivations. Yeah, I think, I'm, I'm, as I said before, I'm someone, and we were chatting about beforehand, you too, you're someone who's kind of grown up in a man's world. And I can, I can live in that world for periods of time and I can learn with that and I can cope and not everybody can. And I think of my friend group. I have, I have a lot of trans friends, a lot of queer friends who don't feel safe in most groups and wouldn't wouldn't go with most of these guides because they're questioning whether or not they would be treated well and like question like probably most guides don't even know how to use proper pronouns with these people which is you know everyone's learning that's fine and so i've i've just continuously put myself out there to learn mostly from men and i'm still doing that i'm actually I'm getting, I'm really excited about trapping beaver and I'm actually seeking a mentor for that. And I went to the main trapping association and I know, I definitively know that I do not share the same values as the people I'm learning from, but I'm just, we're going to stick to the topic of trapping and go from there. Um, And so my goal is really to learn those skills from the people I can learn it from. And I'm super grateful for everyone who's willing to share and I want to provide that information and those experiences to people who feel safer with a woman who's more queer and trans um, friendly. And yeah, I've I've made been made to feel uncomfortable in groups before, and I think I've learned so much from that. And I'm not perfect by any means, but um, I want to create a really inclusive environment. And actually, this past summer, I guided a trip for this awesome, awesome person, Travis, who um, works for the Venture Out Project. I'm not sure if y'all have talked about that at all on the podcast, but- I, I haven't. They're on my they're on my list because oh, yeah. obviously we've been, <laughs> I, one of my, my many shortcomings is that, you know, having started doing this up in Maine, and we should maybe talk about this a little bit too, um, just, you know, for better or for worse, the, the 
environment or the the sphere of people that I first contact that lead me to my next ring of people that need me lead me to my next ring of people so far have been, you know, all white women. So not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that because we need a voice too. But I do feel like one of my goals for 2021 is to just keep expanding out and and amplifying other voices because it's you know equ- equally important to hear from all the everyone else who wants to be outside and uh, you know kind of hear their perspective and so venture out has been on my identification list. Well, and, and actually, I think now that you say that, I think venture out may have been maybe one of the or a program with venture out is one of the programs that the um, Joy Mascot Lifted Outdoors is supporting. I think this year. So, oh, yeah. but they yeah. are on my on my. <laughs> I have my big long list of like someday I want to start harassing these people so they'll be on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you connected with them and 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 led a group. I, I led uh, Travis, who uh, I think runs their programs. I forget his specific title, but um, with the idea that he wanted to train up to be competent in leading canoe trips for them in the future. And um, maybe until that point where he feels really competent, I would be able to kind of co-guide trips with him. And another awesome person who I would love for you to interview someday is my good friend, Murphy Robinson, who... Um, runs mountain song expeditions in Vermont and Murphy goes by they them pronouns and specifically creates programs for um, women and trans people and some for just uh, trans people doing archery and hunting and we're if if the pandemic allows we're going to do a canoe trip uh, together this summer so those are those are two contacts that I think yeah doing exciting things yeah nice I think I think you mentioned Murphy in um the other podcast you were just on recently that I listened to. And I was like, I had that, I had, I had that name jotted down yeah. in my little stalker file that I create for everybody. So oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, for sure. That would be amazing. Uh, and so would, when you guide, would you guide, would you guys do you, I, I always say guys. So again, it's, mm-hmm. this is a leftover from my, uh, my days in the, right. the, the boys club. Um, yeah. do you, are you, would you lead out here or somewhere in Vermont or both? We were actually planning a trip this past year that we obviously canceled on the West branch of the Penobscot. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. So, so starting a, um, a business in a pandemic. Yeah. Talk, let's talk about that. WTF. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I know. I feel like I should get those words tattooed on my forehead and just save everybody the, the hassle of listening to me <laughs> say it 9,000 times. Um, right. Yeah. So it, you so you had this this whole process, I mean, as you said, took over a year just to kind of get underway. And fortunately, the back work more or less came together the way you wanted it to. But then, you know, talk to me about the timing of all this and then kind of what your kind of thought process was as each new wave of like WTF happened. Right. Yeah. I, I put my notice in at my job last January that I was going to go to part-time work through the summer. It was supposed to be two days a week and allowing me to be flexible because some, a very wise person told me to hold on to some income while I'm starting a new endeavor, which was so smart, especially this year. And I ended up, um, they ended up letting me go up to three days a week because of course I didn't do a huge amount of guiding, but, um, my, my idea for guiding last year was to do what a lot of guides do. They set up 
you know, I'm going to be on this river on these dates and anybody can sign up. And I wanted to do some trips like that and some trips specifically for women or women and trans people. And it became so obvious that that just didn't make sense because the thing about um, canoeing rivers is that there's pretty much always a shuttle involved where, you know, 10 people are crammed into a little van for anywhere from like one to six hours. And I don't feel comfortable putting people in that situation. And I doubt that I would be able to fill trips for that too. So I ended up just guiding trips for families and not doing any shuttles, which meant I was mostly doing lake paddling or like with Travis, we did the Moose River boat trip. And I really like let go of this concept of doing a lot of guiding this past summer. And it allowed me to do more trips of my own, which was really fun because one thing that Nate, my partner, expressed when I started guiding, he's like, who am I going to go canoeing with now if I'm busy guiding all the time? (laughs) (laughs) I assured him that it wasn't going to pick up too quickly. And so this next year, I'm still unsure if I'm going to be able to guide for those kind of come all trips, but I'm figuring out more trips where There isn't a shuttle because I feel really comfortable being outside with a group of people. And I think other people feel that way too. And some don't, and that's fine as well. Um, And so I think this next year is going to be, I'm going to have some more trips and one trip I just want to share. I'm super excited about. I'm going with this woman, um, Kit Pfeiffer and her family. She's 75. And when she was like 19, she piled the Allagash. And she took an entire month to do it. And she took, she uh, had a journal the entire time she was there and she hasn't been back and she wants to do it before she gets too old. Um, Hold on, my phone's ringing. So Kit's going to invite three generations of her family on the trip. And it just brings tears to my eyes because this is kind of a dream of guiding, of just bringing women of all generations um, out. And seriously. Yeah, so. we need to we need to do a podcast with you and Kit and whoever all of our other female relatives. When she does this, this is like amazing. I'm like, I'm I'm the same way. I'm getting all of her clamped. <laughs> like, oh my god! And she kept a journal and 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 you know and God forbid, like stupid COVID could have messed that up royally. But I'm so glad that's that's amazing. What is she going to go? Like, what time of year are you looking at? We're looking at post bug, so mid to late August or September. Oh, nice! Oh my God, that'll be amazing. Yeah. How many How many days does she want to do? Um, not a month. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah, I think something something more like five days. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. And did you know her before, or she just kind of reached out to you randomly and was like, "Hey, here's my story. You want to leave my trip?" Right. No, I did. I knew her maybe eight years ago. I I house sat for her like once, <laughs> and then she was a mentor in the Maine Master Naturalist program when I was in it, and so we reconnected then. Oh, cool. She She's sounds one of those badass ladies. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say she sounds like a total. Gamer. Uh, I hope that when I'm 75, I want to be going on wilderness trips. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it would be one thing if it was just sitting in the boat, but it's like, okay, actually, you know, being a productive member of the trip and then, you know, sleeping in a tent and doing everything else, like doing all the other things that you do when you're on a trip is, um, that's amazing. That's so cool. That, that will be just an epic 
I'm going to already start dancing to the good weather gods right now because that'll make a big difference. Um, Very cool. The the amazing thing about canoe trips is that depending on how you plan it, it can be super leisurely, like either have have days where you don't travel or short mileage days. And you have a lot of time at base camp and it doesn't feel like that much work. Or if you want to feel like it's expedition style and get more miles in and get back to camp and do all the chores, um, you can you can go the distance. And so you can kind of pick and choose based on the experience that you want. And also, it's so important to always add an extra day because who knows what the weather will be. Yeah, that's a good point. So, and I guess you, when we've been talking about a few things that kind of jog some stuff for me. So how do you, how have you felt so far about kind of turning your passion into profession? Like you alluded to Nate being concerned that you all of a sudden you were not going to be doing any more battling with him. And then also it just sounds like you're probably not going to be doing as much of the types of paddling that you love. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I Something I learned this past year is that I, so I love, I love campfire cooking and I, we love food so much. We grow most of our own food and just put so much energy into it. And something I learned through guiding is that I can do that. And it's a whole lot of work when you're doing that for a group and it's okay to go a little bit more simply when you're doing guiding and it's still going to blow people's minds because people are expecting like ramen on a trip and I can go above and beyond that with little effort. But um, yeah, just figuring out, I think scheduling trips for personal reasons and kind of scheduling my, my jobby job around that. Our favorite river is the St. John, which I'm not comfortable guiding on yet because you really need um, competent paddlers and, and I still want to give myself some time to figure out how, when you're interviewing someone on the phone, how to judge, you know, how competent they are. And so I think forever that will always just be a personal trip um, where we, we actually have this like pool of friends that we select from to go on this trip. And I swear that people stand in line to get <laughs> invited on that because it's just such a dreamy river. So yeah, setting time aside and and something else that, was kind of pairing with this canoe guiding is obviously it's so seasonal and I just quit my job. And so what am I going to do the rest of the year? Uh, And so a year or so ago, I got really inspired by people building mobile saunas and I, I sauna all the time. And so this past summer I started working on a mobile sauna um, thinking, okay, this is brilliant because it's winter work, you know? People want to sauna more in the winter. You can do it all year, but um, I just a few weeks ago just opened up our home sauna and kind of spun that into a into a business. And so it's been wildly popular. Um, like I'm, I'm just so blown away by the response I've gotten. And to be totally honest, I think the sauna business is going to subsidize canoeing and make it so that maybe I don't have to go totally all in and full time in the summer to leave myself a little bit more spaciousness in the summer, which will be amazing. So I feel so proud that I'm setting this up to actually work. Yeah, no. And and it's funny as you're talking about this and it kind of brings back what one of the things we were talking about before about you know, getting trained to be a guide and the stuff that you learn for the test versus the stuff that actually makes it possible for you to do that 
for a living. So, you know, you've, you've just brought up like five other things that I'm pretty sure are not on the test, like logistics, trip logistics, you know, what is it like to actually, you know, make food for a group, um, keep a group hydrated, find out, you know, how, you know, are your, is your group actually capable of doing what they asked you to guide them on or, you know, what, what kind of, uh, how should you handicap that group in order to make, make sure that they are safe at the end? You know, like what, what filter do you put their input through to determine what they are actually going to be able to do? And all these skills that, you know, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing nobody covers, even if you take a class, maybe if you take a class, but. Yeah, I did what you did. I mined everybody else's website to see how they were interviewing yeah. people beforehand and then added my own touches to it. And, uh, and, and, and still probably were surprised on occasion. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Especially like men think that they're awesome at canoeing. And <laughs> that doesn't mean that they're awesome. And they also have a really hard time taking instruction. And that's, that's totally going to be a learning curve for me. And all the guides I've spoken to, they're like, oh, we love when women come on trips because mixed gender trips, the dynamics are so much better. And also... Women are so used to being told what to do or being taught and men are not. Um, and so something I'd love to figure out is just how to be skillful and yeah. men the skills. Well, then there's the added dynamic of, you know, not for nothing. And, and men, we, we love you if there are any of you listening. Um, but you. You, don't te- you don't tend to take direction from women very well either, even if yeah. you are intended, you know, inclined to take direction from somebody. Um, so that adds a whole other element to it too. So, yeah. yeah. Not to have broad generalizations because there are many exceptions. Right, right. There are many exceptions, but there are, you know, 10x many um, that that kind of fit the mold. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just going to go there. Uh, you're not the first who's brought that up in this in this venue. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you brought up the sauna because uh, I've, you know, been following that whole progress too and just it looks amazing. And I think, especially coming out of this very long, cold, dark period that even when it wasn't winter, it felt long and cold and dark. Um, I can imagine that this is going to be something that will be widely popular. You know, I mean, so far, my guess is that you're really only bringing in people who are more or less local to you. I think it's just going to be a total shitstorm when the borders open up because I know plenty of people who would love to (laughs) to do something like that, um, you know, when it happens. So, so that's good. I think this is exciting. And so the mobile idea, like I, I saw one that used to be, um, up near us at, uh, the Oxbow brewery, they would bring it because they have like cross country trails there. So is that like, where are you thinking of bringing the mobile sauna? Or is that something that people like rent for a weekend or, or, I don't know. Tell me more about that. So yeah, my, my original concept was to allow people to rent it overnight or for the weekend. And to be honest, we have a Airbnb on our property that's in, exclusively heated by a wood stove. And then our sauna, of course, is wood stove as well. And just witnessing people interact with the wood stove makes me makes me maybe not trust the general public with that. And so I think I'm going to pivot and do less of the overnight rental also because it's a, it's a higher price point and people can afford to rent it for an hour and a half and only a few people can afford to rent it overnight. And so what I've been doing here is people book hour and a half sessions to come with their pod. And I just, I just opened up um, solo sessions and those are actually 
for the next month, they're all filled because everybody in their little solo pods wants to be a little sauna. And so what, what I'm hoping to do with the mobile one, I'm, I'm in a really beautiful location here. So when people come to our home sauna, it's, it's like going to the lake, basically. We don't have water, but it's, it's beautiful. And so what I'm hoping to do is just continue to bring it to beautiful places where I get permission um, and ideally by water so that we can cut a hole in the ice and jump in. Yeah. I was going to say, you do have that cool old fashioned tub, right? Yeah. Cool yeah. Tub. Um, and I also, I'm so excited for the lakes to freeze up and bring it out to ice fisher people. I'm not going to say ice fishermen. I, they're a group that hasn't necessarily come to our home sauna yet, but um, I think that they would love it. And it sounds so dreamy to me to be able to be out on a lake, renting it out to people and ice fishing and ice skating all day. Yeah, that's, that's pretty sweet. (laughs) You're like, like running out of the sauna to check your flag. Oh yeah. Okay. Not up yet. (laughs) it's It's honestly just another way to get people to connect with themselves and connect with nature. And I love that that's possible in the winter. And really when you do a sauna, you feel like you have superpowers because your body is really heated and you can just lay on the ground in the snow and stare at the stars and feel that tingly sensation, but feel totally human. And it just puts us in, in an opportunity to appreciate nature. So that's what I love about it. Yeah. No, it sounds amazing. I'm like, oh, I want to do that right now. And it's, you know, and, and I, I think the science is just like, you know, snowballing on how amazing it is, both that and the cold and, you know, all the breath stuff that goes along with it from a longevity standpoint, from, you know, just just everything. It just seems like such a healthy and beautiful thing to do. Yeah. Several people have asked if I'm going to incorporate the mobile sauna with my canoe guiding. And I have this awesome image of my truck pulling a canoe trailer pulling a mobile sauna, just like my little caravan going to the lake. <laughs> Not quite possible, but no, no. I, well, I'm just, I was thinking like, Oh, if you ever coordinate that whole point to point thing, like imagine when you're, you know, out and you're on a canoe trip and you're, you know, you have no idea that when you pull up into camp right around the corner, there's going to be a sauna parked there for you. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty epic. Yeah, another inspiration for that, um, my friend Garrett Conover, who's a who's a main guide, who's especially famous for his winter trips, and his uh, previous partner Alexander Alexandra Conover. They have a um, they're not together, but he's on the property that they were guiding from up in Monson or outside of Monson, and they have a sauna and. At the end of the trips, all the participants would come and, and do a sauna together, and it just sounded so dreamy. So he's been a big inspiration and is actually really into this, the sauna culture and just published a book about sauna. So it's this uh, overlap of outdoors, guiding, and sauna. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm connecting with so many people on social media who do all of those things, and it's awesome to see that all these parallel lives happening. Yeah. I love that. And I love just, you know, I mean, this just brings it back to kind of one of the things that I've been trying to just embrace more of in my own just existence is like, just stay open to this stuff and, you know, you'll have an idea and just kind of start to pull the thread and then maybe it will unravel in a different way than you think it will. And, you know, if you just put building blocks into place that are all things that you like have an affinity for, you love, or you have a passion for, 
you know, they're, you just got to trust the fact that they're all going to interweave together in a logical way eventually that makes sense and, and uh, will work out. So that's awesome. So a couple more just quick things. And we didn't even cover like half of what I wanted to talk about, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you go because we all have to work today. But uh, I want to get back to the food. So yeah. you talked about like, you realized quickly that the, the level of outdoor cooking that you were accustomed to doing on your small trips with your friends were, maybe would not be sustainable on a lead trip. But you know, the fact that you even do it at all makes people impressed. So give me, so you're not going to kind of, you know, knock it out of the park, but you know, it's not going to be ramen either. What's that like next level recipe or thing that you make that everyone's like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And you're thinking to yourself, eh, it's not that much work. Right. Um, I love wild rice from Minnesota. And I think most people have had wild rice, like medleys from the grocery store and it's not quite the same. And so it's, it's a really amazing food. That's just so nutty. And I, I try to incorporate a lot of wild foods, but just like little tidbits that people can literally swallow and, and enjoy um, and kind of dip their toes into this idea of eating wild food. And I, I make a lot of like coconut curry and I'm very comfortable cooking vegetarian and I will cook vegan. I'm okay at it, but I really love cooking with butter. <laughs> um, yeah, noodle dishes. Um, I'll, I'll like smoke mackerel in the spring and bring mackerel on the trip as well. And just figuring out what you can do in advance and then baking um, blows everybody's minds. And you can, you can always cook up a quick cornbread to go with any meal um, and just cook it in a Dutch oven, cook it in a fry pan, whatever. And I love making cakes for people when it's their birthday. I, I take special requests for like, what sort of cake do you like? And um, when I'm just with my friends, I bring all the ingredients separate and just make everything from scratch on the trip. But when I'm doing a guided trip, I like to have some more exact measurements. So I actually pre-mix all of my baking uh, mixes at home and like label like add two eggs add a couple of liquid and that sort of thing so that it's more guaranteed to come out how you want it and I was taught with um, Dutch oven baking never announce what it is until it's done cooking because you might set out to make a cookie <laughs> and it's like actually a cake or it's a brownie or it's a pancake oh my god that is the best word of like nugget of wisdom of the new year so far. Like, yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> just yeah. like, it's all about the spin. You open it up, like the great unveiling. You're like, what will yeah. this be? Let's just see. <laughs> yeah. And even if it's a little bit burnt, it's still, you know, it's, it's got like caramelized sugar and it's sweet and creamy and that's awesome. And nice. for, for myself, I cook exclusively with maple sugar and I do some of that on trips as well, but it's, it's a little bit more of a precious resource when you're cooking for 10 people. Yeah. Do you maple sugar on your property as well? Yep. Yeah. Oh we make God. about nine or 10 gallons of syrup a year and a little bit of sugar too. That's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Do you, so, so you bake more in the Dutch oven, less on the reflector oven. Do you use the reflector? Yeah. That seems like a reflector oven's easier, but I don't know. You know, I've been Dutch oven baking for about six years and only reflector oven baking for a year. And I haven't figured it all out yet. Um, so I, the, an important thing with that is to have the right wood because you can add 
if you have softwood that's a little bit wet and you don't get the wind told right and you don't cover it with tinfoil, your food can taste pretty smoky. <laughs> that surprises. Yeah. We're having, yeah. We're having smoky so, maple cornbread today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't, you don't announce it till you see it and eat it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's cool. All right. So that gives me a few ideas. Okay. I like the coconut curry idea. It's true. Like I don't, I don't think to eat curry, I'll make stuff like that all, all that often on my own little trips because it's usually my kids and they turn their nose up at like anything that's mixed together. But yeah, I'm gonna have to just start sucking it up, I think, because that sounds delicious. Yeah, and then um, for fun trips, I have I have this like I put it out on the picnic table, and I have so many spice jars. But when I do guided trips, I like to premix all my spices, so it's just like dump the bag in the pan, ready to go, and you don't have to fuss with figuring out the exact spice mix for each dish. Yeah, that's a good tip. I um I do like to I've just finally started to figure out the fact that like just take 10 minutes and plan XYZ or you know re you know prepackage stuff and whatever and it also leads to less waste too because then instead of you know instead of having some of that stuff where you've got like this bag and that piece of paper and this and you know it's all like together in in one plastic container that you throw back in your bag and you're you're done so yeah planning it's not my thing really but I'm going to get better at that. All right, cool. Well, this has been just delightful. Um, I want to uh, have you come my way and, and do some paddling with me. I'm thinking, I'm actually thinking you should take the mobile sauna over to Umbagog and you can do some of Polly and Kevin's trips. That would be so cool. Can you imagine getting off a dog sled and hopping in a sauna? Yeah. I was doing some work with them last winter and I, I asked like, why don't you have a sauna here? And they weren't interested, but I think they're. <laughs> but I was gonna <laughs> say, going to say, if they don't have, yeah, that, that, that is true. One more thing they need to take care of. Um, but yeah, oh, that's a, that would be amazing. Um, well, we need ice up here too. It's like the ice is like it's been a tough winter so far for stuff like that. Yeah, is it starting to freeze more up your way? We had ice a couple of weeks ago, and I I got some good skating in, but then it all melted. Yeah, I think that storm between the warm weather yeah. and the just deluge of water and the wind too, I think just that was a factor. Like it just, yeah. any big body of water is just totally open now again, which is a bummer. Yeah. Um, all right, well, anyway, let's, let's, let's end on a more positive note. All right. Jackie, my last question that I always ask, which I'm sure you already have an answer for because you probably know this already, but favorite piece of gear under $50? Because it's winter, I'm going to go with a balaclava. I am someone who has really great circulation, but I still appreciate the added warmth. And so folks, I know a lot of people struggle with being warm in the winter. And I've got this, uh, let's see, smart wool, I think it is, a wool balaclava that makes it so that the wind never touches your neck. And it just really keeps me warm. So that's what I put out there. All right. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Now I want you to tell me a summer, a summer gear piece under 50 bucks. Oh boy. I like the balaclava. That, that's a good point. Like I have definitely realized as I get older, like the neck, the wrists, there's like key parts of your body that if you can really dial it in, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Well, I guess summer I'm thinking about if you're out in June or July, you've got bugs and they're so goofy, but bug nets, bug, sh I actually don't even own a bug shirt, but I'd like to 
but it makes or breaks a, a trip. I always carry, I ask my participants to bring their own, but I secretly carry enough for like two for every person because <laughs> if you don't have that, you'll feel like you're dying. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any specific one that you recommend just for all like the noceums and the little teeny meeny itty bitty? Do you get the ones that like kind of perch on the crown of your head or? Yeah, I I like the ones, um, I don't like the ones with the elastic on the bottom because that allows the bugs to get your neck. Um, there's super goofy ones with like elastic under armpit straps that make it so that thing doesn't go anywhere. And <laughs> Uh, when you're paddling, like bug net suspenders, and the bug net can fly right off your head if you're on a lake with wind, and so that really secures oh, it. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but both of the items I suggested are super goofy. Yeah, but I love them. I they're both good, but the bug net thing, like I don't know. I think people who don't come up here um, in like June have no appreciation for bugs and, and they do they last a lot longer than you'd think like I kind of always think oh yeah by the end of July you know but no no those and and even even in the drier month I mean this past year I think it was pretty dry so there were nice yeah. long stretches where they weren't quite as bad where I am but man yeah. then as soon as like you, you get to a shady spot or every time I mow the lawn it's just like oh god yeah nasty Yep. And it's something that you can wear not just on trips, but like I, I just moved this past year, but I was living in a cabin in the woods next to a swamp and it was, it was buggy for maybe four months of the year. And I would like hang out in my lawn, split wood, et cetera, with the bug net. And I, I wore that thing every day. Yeah, it's true. So the cabin in the woods, we didn't even talk about that, but that'll be for our next time. So, um, Jackie, this has been a pleasure, uh, waterways guiding, Give everybody some details about how they can connect with you, talk to you about building out some cool trips for this coming year, um, you know, where we can follow your adventures with Kit later on in the year. <laughs> Tell us all yeah. about it. So my website is waterwaysguiding.com and I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And on those, on Instagram and Facebook, I it's it's kind of like a naturalist page. I just, I take a lot of photos of like plants and animals and that sort of thing. And so if someone's interested in main ecology, that's a really good um, page to follow. Even if you're never going to do a trip with me, but I just hope to inspire people to notice more about nature. Yeah, for sure. And I will definitely pull all of those together and link them up in the show notes on the player as well as on the episode page on the Guides Gone Wild website because there's so much good stuff that Jackie's doing that I think you're going to want to stay abreast of. And, you know, you're going to want to start thinking about where you can bring your mobile sauna um, yeah. in the coming year because 2021 we're we're opening up baby this is going to be the year of rebirth rejuvenation re-energization whatever i'll make I up some more words optimism. yeah all right well jackie it's been super fun thank you so much and uh, i hope we get to talk again on the pod soon all right 